Today's guest is Australian Paralympic swimmer and inspirational speaker, Elizabeth Wright. As an athlete, Liz swam at two Paralympic Games, coming away with two bronze medals and one silver. After retiring from Paralympic swimming, Liz found herself asking, what was it that enabled her to stick with her sport and to be resilient and bounce back from setbacks? In essence, Liz wanted to understand how what it was that had enabled her to fulfill her potential and furthermore, how she could go about sharing those insights to help others. It was at this point Liz identified the importance of character. Liz moved to the UK to pursue her career in speaking, mainly focusing on schools. Her aim is to help pupils thrive in all aspects of their lives. So, without further ado, this is my travel conversation with Elizabeth Wright. The Hand Discover Accessible Travel Chat is brought to you by Hand Discover, the first community-based holiday accommodation booking website dedicated to people with special needs and disabilities. With over 23,000 accessible accommodations on their website, you can now travel with peace of mind knowing that your accommodation will provide full accessibility and accommodate for your needs in the most accessible format possible. So visit handdiscover.com now and use the code TRAVEL30 to get £30 off your first booking with Handdiscover. much for joining me on this um i mean up in york because you're in yorkshire aren't you i'm in yorkshire yes yes i am in in lovely cloudy yorkshire at the moment so it's really sunny in norwich at the minute oh so jealous oh uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah um thank you so much for joining us today thanks Jono. thanks no. I'm, I'm really glad to be here glad to be involved yes yes um and you should be <laughs> <laughs> absolutely because <laughs> i am great company it's a right privilege. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to more or less go through some questions that we've got. So one of the main questions is what I I'm desperately want to hear is like how you came about to decide that you wanted to be um, take up professional swimming. And not only that, like how this headspace came around that you want to, you decided that you wanted to be a Paralympic champion. Okay. Um, I think for, for me, the actual story of, of being a Paralympian stemmed from my childhood, really. I think being Australian, growing up in Sydney, we, we were one of probably about 99.9% of families in Australia that have a pool in our backyard. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, I grew up swimming. Um, and for me, with, with my disability, which is a limb difference, being in the pool was so freeing, so... Uh, just amazing and I could do way more in the pool than I could could do on land so it, it almost seemed like this natural progression that I would do something around the sport of, of swimming but it was really when I was 13 years old when it was announced that Sydney had won the right to host the 2000 Olympic and Paralympic Games that I I remember distinctly turning to my parents and saying to them, I'm going to swim in those games. I don't think I'd ever indicated before then that I wanted to be a Paralympian, but I just was, was like, I'm going to swim at those games. And uh, and it was from that that they found me a coach. 
um, I started competing in, in competitions and started doing really well and it kind of just went from there. So like one of the things which I'm aware is like, <laughs> like what kind of reaction did you get like with like with the coach particularly because like I can't I, like so like the experience of the coaching side of things like is that something in Australia that people are well you know not equipped to deal with like with because <laughs> you know like the technical the biomechanics of everything in yeah. terms of swimming must be so changed from different disability to different disability I was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. how did that work out it's it's kind of interesting interesting so my first coach Alan um, we found him through the New South Wales Amputee Sporting Association. So he actually had a, a squad in a pool not far from where I lived, uh, which uh, had swimmers with all different types of disabilities, but he was kind of trained specifically to, to train uh, and teach swimming to, to people with, with different disabilities. Yeah. So um, he kind of really started me off on, on my journey, and he was with me right through... Um, my first Paralympics at, um, in 96 in Atlanta. Oh. Um, and it wasn't really until about the last two or three years of my swimming career that uh, I moved away from the area. So I had to find a new coach. And I ended up having to approach a local squad where it was all able-bodied swimmers, you know, people with two arms and two legs and definitely far out swimming me. Um, and had to go there and say to them, you know, I need a coach, I need to be able to train, um, can can you help me? And I think, in a sense, they were brave enough to go, you know what, we think we can. Um, it did mean at the age of 18 I was training with 13, 14-year-olds, <laughs> which was a bit odd. <laughs> um, you know, but the point was they, they, they saw me swim and they put me in at the level that they thought that, I could fit and and you know what in those two years I think for me training with able-bodied kids really pushed me to to be the fastest swimmer that I possibly could be um because you know not to take away from my first coach Alan um you know but in his squad I was the fastest swimmer I was the the person that was leading everything I wasn't really being challenged in any way whereas actually then going and swimming in an able-bodied squad I was really challenged in in how I was swimming and how fast I was swimming and how um, I had to keep up with everyone else, which ultimately I think ended up being a really good thing. Mm. Definitely. Because, um, yeah. so, and um, <laughs> obviously it ended up, so like, I might think in two bronze medals, wasn't it, in the end, or was it? Uh, two, two bronze and a silver. Two so bronze. a bronze in Atlanta and a bronze and a silver in Sydney. Because so, what was the diff? Um, did you run two different disciplines for um, Sydney and or did you? So yeah, talk me through that. Like, did you run? Okay, the, do okay. Um, when I first started swimming, I I I thought I was a breaststroker. I wasn't. I'm absolutely rubbish at swimming breaststrokes. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, why I thought I was a breaststroker, I have no idea. But anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, and in the lead up to Atlanta, I thought I'm I'm a butterfly. That's my strength. And I did, I'm and a I butterfly. Did, <laughs> well, yeah. Every time I mention butterfly to people, it's like they get this look of you know the scream, you know the the, the painting of the scream. I think they get that look on their face, like oh, like butterfly. <laughs> what is that even? Um, but you know, I was really good 
good butterfly and so in Atlanta that was what I won my bronze medal in was the 50 meters butterfly um, by the time I got to, to Sydney I thought you know what I'm going to win the 50 meter butterfly race in Sydney and I didn't win in fact I came fourth so you know, it's like that pesky fourth place it's 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 the worst place I in my mind I think to finish well, we're, we're really lucky within judo we have two bronze medals well, I wasn't oh, lucky. Wow. I wasn't lucky. I, I lost well, for bronze, so I was fifth place. But yeah, I get what you mean. It's a yeah, bit great. Yeah, you get what I mean. Because you literally, especially if it's close, because you, you're literally like, what could have I done just to have scraped through to get that bronze medal? Whereas if you're fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth, it's like, yeah, there was probably nothing I could do. And it's so annoying to, to be able because you have to then wait four years to then be able to properly give it a go again at exactly. that level. Exactly. So, you know, Sydney. I thought I'd win the 50 meter butterfly. I didn't, and you know, and I was disappointed. But I had um, so my coach, my my new coach, not Alan now, my my second coach Ross, for about oh, oh, probably about six months before the Sydney Games, he kept on saying to me, "I think you can win a medal in the 400 meter freestyle," and I thought he was a real joker because I was ranked 15th in the world. How the hell do you even make a final? Like. <laughs> ranked 15th in the world but you know what he he knew his stuff he knew me he knew the way that I swam and and that was the race that I won silver in um you know beating the world record holder and top five people in the world to 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 win that silver medal um so you know that was kind of such a special moment and then um, the rest of my races were kind of up and down, but I had um, a relay race, which my team, Australia, on paper, we were, you know, literally going to smash the world record by, like, 30 seconds and beat everyone else by at least a lap. And um, for, for us, you know, being Australian, oh, you know, I'll be honest about this, I'll own this, being Australian and being sporty, of course, we think we're going to win everything. Yeah. Like, that's the Australian way, yeah. isn't it? We, we're going to win everything, basically. Um, we didn't win it, we came third, but when I look back on that race, I just think we did the best that we could. We did actually break the world record that day, but it just so happened that two other teams did as well. Yeah. And it, it's the case, isn't it? You, you show up as a sports person and you, all you can do is do the best that you can in that moment. And if luck swings your way, then you might win a medal. Yeah. If it, if it doesn't, you know what, that's fine. As far as I'm concerned, as long as you did the best that you could in that moment, you can't complain. So Give that luck the best chance. Yeah, exactly. Right, so um, I'm aware now that, um, so obviously after swimming... You've now yep. gone within to sort of like because what did you you said you've got two you said you've got the two degrees but you've also done your masters in character. Yeah, so yeah. my first two degrees are in fine art, which yeah. is complete, you know, one eighty to sport Massively, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but in the past few years, I've been doing my master's degree in character education, um, because for the past about the past ten years, I've been doing a lot of speaking in schools and yes. a lot of stuff obviously with my story that I've been speaking about is about resilience and and bouncing back and the ups and downs of sport and having focus and determination and all of that stuff and I kind of realized that really what I was talking about was a person's inner character so they're these strengths these traits that they have that that see you through the ups and downs of of life that we're inevitably going to have so yes yeah, so I've gone and done a whole degree on character <laughs> 
um, which I've almost finished. I've just got another two months or so. I'm in the midst of doing research for my dissertation, yeah. um, which is quite interesting. And I'm actually working with that research with kids with disabilities, um, looking at how they understand their character and um, and how they express that. So, um, you know, it's been very very interesting couple of years for sure. How so like yeah, how um move, like moving forward with all that research, how would you ideally like it to be used? Uh, I think I think for me it's it's really coming back to um, changing the story or changing the narrative of what disability is. I I think when I look at the research out there in terms of character, when I think of kids in school who ascend, um, you know, so whether it's an invisible disability, physical disability, learning disability, whatever it might be, I just think they get so looked over in terms of their story and who they are as individuals. And for me, that's essentially what character is. It's who you are. So ultimately, I'd like to see through through the research that I've done, for me to be able to explore more um, of how we get these stories out of, yeah. of these these kids, of who they are as individuals, give them agency, give them understanding of being able to express themselves, um, who they truly are, not just be defined by their disability. Such, <clears throat> that's incredible, yeah, no, I love that. Like you said about like the whole agency side of things, being able to think that they can actually act and do things. Yeah. And act, yeah. That, that they've got that they've got potential that they can reach that, you know. And I think I think the more we talk about their agency and their potential, hopefully then you know in terms of the people that are supporting them, they can start to see that too. Because I think for a lot of people, you can be held back by those, especially those that care about you the most because they're worried about you they're worried about you being hurt both physically or emotionally or you know they worry about um you know whether you're going to succeed at something in particular or, or not and and it's like no no you've got to you've got to trust and support that this individual has a dream or a goal or potential and they should be given the opportunity to fulfill that yeah that that's so you you said that that's going now i'm aware you've released a book or published a book haven't you uh yes about oh gosh we're going it's it's a year old now it's oh, is so it? quick. Oh. it's insane yeah um uh but character toolkit for teachers so it's what I've, i i co-authored this book with frederica roberts yeah um who i also do some work in schools with and um, so Fred, Frederica, she has a, a master's in applied positive psychology. Ooh. So we've kind of combined our knowledge to, to write this book for not just teachers. I mean, it's called Character Toolkit for Teachers, but parents can use it, carers, social workers, coaches, um, you know, whoever kind of works with children um, can use it. And it's, it's basically just chock full of active character um, and positive psychology activities that you can do with kids to help build their resilience and sense of well-being and confidence and um you know it's just kind of all of those elements that come into play that help us um succeed and be happy in life yeah oh that's yeah that's amazing yeah so <laughs> um so 
because I'm aware, obviously, this is a travel-related podcast, and yet mm. we're yet to really talk about travel. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. So I'm going to try. This might be a stretch of me trying to link this, but I don't think it is. So go, going back to like the um, like the Paralympics and like obviously massive, uh, apart from when it was held in Sydney, but like massive travel yeah. requirements and everything like yeah. that. Um, like so how does like the whole travel thing what is your experiences with traveling do you like is that something which was a big deal for you like is that something which your your disability relate like there's anxiety there like so talk me through that like yeah um when it comes when it came to kind of the paralympics yeah you you're right you know obviously other than sydney used to travel a lot you know we'd i mean you know i competed in the british nationals quite a few times because um, they bring us over to, to compete because obviously you want as many opportunities as possible throughout the year to compete against your main competitors, yeah. especially in the lead up to a world championships or Paralympics. So, um, you know, we used to travel a lot, but obviously because it was the Australian Paralympic Committee who were funding that and, and organising that, we, we wouldn't have to worry so much about um, making sure that things were going to be accessible or, or anything like that. Um, so, you know, during that time, I actually never really had any problems in terms of, of travel. It, it's probably been more um, in recent years where I've experienced some issues. And I don't know whether it's an age thing or what. I don't know because, you know, I'm getting on, getting on in life. <laughs> certainly feels like it. Um, but, you know, the, for probably about the past five or six years, uh, when I've been traveling, or flying places, whenever I go to an airport now, even though I can walk, I'm perfectly fine walking, I do get wheelchair assistance because, you know, some of those distances between the, the gate and security, or, yeah, well, the, the gate and security and check-in and stuff are, are massive. And, you know, if you're running a little bit late or there's been delays at some point or whatnot and you're expected to run for a flight, there's no way I can run for a flight. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I just do the whole wheelchair assistance thing. But one thing I've discovered with that, the brilliant thing with that, is that you get to jump the whole security line. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I'm traveling with friends, they're like, yes, because they get to come with me through the, the special security <laughs> line. They love it. So, you know, that's why I've got lots of friends, I think. <laughs> Especially when it comes to traveling. Um, they just... You know, it's the same with the parking as well. You know, blue badge, they love it. It's like, please, please, come grocery shopping with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Um, but, you know, it's having said that, on the flip side, and I know it's been in the media a lot, I think, especially in the past couple of years, when you do have wheelchair assistance, especially with flying, it's, um, you know, there have been a few times where I have been left on the plane for a lot longer than I should have been. Um, you know, right to the point where I have actually said, you know what, I can walk. I can just get out and walk. It would probably be quicker if I did that. And then, but again, this comes back to the whole agency thing where they're like, no, 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 just sit there, just sit there, just wait. And I'm like, hang on, it should be my choice. Yeah. You know, I've made the choice to book the wheelchair assistance, but at the same time it should be my choice if I feel I'm able to walk the distance to do it, especially if it means the difference between getting out of that airport and, and home or to the hotel quicker than if I'm going to be sat on that plane for half an hour waiting for someone to come along. That's, yes. So it's it's kind of, you know, that side of things have, have been quite interesting. 
Um, and, you know, it's, I think for me, the biggest thing with travel, not, you know, kind of thinking beyond just the actual travel bit, but, you know, once you get to the end and with hotels and stuff like that, my biggest issue or, or, or problems that I've faced have been around um, assumptions made about about me and what I'm able to do. So, you know, I remember one time, and this was with me driving somewhere for a job, and I was staying at a Premier Inn, and when I turned up there, the lady kind of went, oh, just a second, and I was like, what is she doing? And she's tapping away on a, on a computer, and then she kind of said, oh, I've given you uh, one of our accessible rooms, and I'm like, okay, like it's fine, I didn't ask specifically for an accessible room, because I'm actually okay in a normal hotel room, <laughs> so that's, you know, whatever, but okay, thank you, you know, I thanked her, and um, and so I got to this room and it was actually the worst thing she possibly could have done because it was a room specifically for someone in a wheelchair. So the bed was a lot lower to make it easily transferable for the person in the wheelchair. Yeah. Everything was a lot lower. But for me, with having to put, like, take my prosthetic leg on and off, it's actually a lot easier to have a normal-sized bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, normal-sized just everything. Um... So I was just like, why? Why? She could have just asked me. She could have just said, like, would this make your life easier if I did this? And I would have said, no, that's fine. Just keep me in a normal room. Um, so, you know, and it's not to say that travel's been horrible for me in every sense of the way, but it's just these little moments that kind of stand out where you're like, okay, you could have done that a little bit better or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, 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 that, that must be, like, I know from my own personal experiences, um, and yeah, I, I suppose I always find it really difficult. Um, and the reason why I'm trying to say this is because, like, yeah. I, I've struggled, or in the past, I've struggled to, to remind myself, like, it's not their fault they don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah you're just like, and so, like, yeah, and just trying to just remember, and you're just like, and I, I, we had a discussion before, obviously, we started recording, and it was just like, you were discuss, uh, mentioned about how you could have a bigger impact. And, like, so, like, in those little micro situations where you want to say something or stuff like that, there's other ways that you can have, and, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was really, really po poignant. I don't, I don't know if that's the right yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's just it. It's about, I think, um, I think the more that we can change the story of disability that is out there, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure people are sick of me, not, not saying on the podcast, because I don't think I've said it too many times on the podcast, but, you know, in life in general, um, I go on about the tropes of, of disability that are shown in the media and, and stuff like that. And I think it's not helpful when uh, there is this story perpetuated that, that as a disabled person, you're... Um, you're angry or it's some kind of tragic story or um you know my favorite one which I always trot out to kids when I'm when I'm in school and stuff is you know um the, this whole idea of as, as a person with a disability you're evil and and the example I give is like Captain Hook you know you think of all these movies and shows where the, the evil character has some form of disability and usually it's a physical disability and something that's really obvious yeah and I'm just like, that doesn't help the whole, you know, for, for us that are living in this world to have to deal with and feel like we have to try and explain who we are or what our disability is yeah. um, 
or deal with with other people's misunderstandings of what that could mean. Um, so I think you know definitely this idea of going big, and I think podcasts like this one, um, podcasts like I'm starting to do, and kind of you know what a lot of the channels are starting to to cotton onto is yeah. that we can change that Absol- narrative. We need more Professor Xavier's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need some more, um, yeah, characters with disabilities that are actually the good guys. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right, so um, what have been some of the favourite places that you've um, travelled in the world? Oh, there's, oh, gosh, this this is where you're going to stump me, I think, because there's so many. Um I think, I think for me, especially in recent years, um, I've been traveling to, uh, to Texas, to Dallas and Fort Worth quite a few times um, for, for work. And I've just really, as, as, much as, as much as I don't want to get political, but as much as the political situation in the US doesn't impress me in any way, shape or form, whenever I've gone to, to um, Dallas or Fort Worth, I've always felt so welcome. I've I've never felt out of place or stared at or anything like that um, because you know when you've got a really uh, visual dis um, or visual disability Visible. with me, it's limb difference. Yeah. Um, you know I do get looks, I do get stared at, but I always just feel so comfortable there. I feel like everything is just really accessible really easy to to access and see um you know good good parking good road so you know i i I just yeah i fell in love with that place and i think you know it's a really really um interesting place to go as well you know it's it's texas it's dallas isn't it It's it's like cowboy culture and all that stuff it's really interesting um i think for me in terms of of europe um oh my gosh i think probably cologne actually um it's it's a hard one because there's a few places that i've been to that i've loved but the accessibility hasn't been great yeah for me i think cologne there were still issues but i think um it was probably one of the most accessible places that i've been to yeah um as well as one of the most beautiful and and quite easy to access, like the public transport was really good. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a German thing. It's all that efficiency and all that stuff. They know? love a tram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, Cologne, you know, and, you know, kind of when I think about Australia, my home country, or even here in the UK, you know, there's always going to be issues, but I think... I think for me when it comes to travel, it's just having that open mind and trying to have that ability to, as we say, remind ourselves that not everyone's going to know the answer or to ask, but it's you, I guess, having that open mind to go, you know what, I'm going to try and work with what I have and and try and make it as easy for myself as possible. Mm. So. so that would lead, what would, so I'm trying to think, um, I would like to know about whether, like, so some of like the good experiences that you've had, so, like particular story which might come to your head where you've like, ah, oh, do you know what that's made this trip? Yeah. Um. Um. I don't. I. I. I don't know 
kind of with accessibility, like oh, it doesn't have to be accessibility. It, it could be just be the, for, yeah. For me, then I think I think it'd come back to to Dallas. Actually, I think I think the reason I went there first with the kind of whole travel thing was because I've just my first time in Dallas. I had just such an amazing experience, and for me, I remember on our last day. We wanted to have breakfast, me and my colleague wanted to have breakfast out somewhere special, um, like, you know, in one of those kind of diners where, you know, the cops show up and, you know, it's like, it's like from a US TV show, yeah. the cops sitting there having their morning coffee Bit and donuts and 80s stuff. nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. So we, we asked um, at the hotel where they would recommend, and they recommended this place called Norma's in, um, in Dallas, kind of on the outskirts. And so it was about a 20-minute drive, but we drove out there because we wanted this authentic experience. And we walked in there, and it was a little bit almost like that, like crickets. It went silent, but, you know, because there's all the locals, and we're kind of interlopers. We're just coming in there, like, who are these strangers? And um, but the, the waitress just made us feel so welcome. And we told her where we were from and what we were doing there. And at the end, she said to us, um, I'm not even going to try and do a, a, a Southern American accent because I'll butcher it. But she was essentially like, let me give you some pie before you leave, free of charge. I want to give you some pie. And it was basically, I got this lemon meringue pie and the meringue on it was literally I think five inches deep it oh was this God. massive piece of pie she gave you diabetes instead then yeah <laughs> essentially it was like let me let me welcome you to the US by giving you diabetes free <laughs> exactly um, that's how they get you travel is important particularly with somebody with disability in in that headspace i i just think it's coming back to that individuality and who we are and that agency and that intersectionality and you know when i think about my own family my brother and sister have never been big on travel like my brother i think he's left australia twice why Um, would you want to leave australia Well, I get asked that a lot, actually. They're like, people will be like, why are you even here? Yeah, especially <laughs> like, Yorkshire. What are you doing here in this country? <laughs> um, but, that, but that's the thing for me. I get itchy feet. I need, I need to see things. I want to see the world. I want to see these amazing places. And I think just because you have a disability, you shouldn't be limited in that. It's part of who I am, and I should be allowed to express that and be able to express that. So that's, you know, not to say that every person with a disability should travel because if you don't want to travel, that's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. But if you do, I think it's so important that we're given the opportunities and the support to travel and see these places that we want to go see. And, you know, there are some places I would love to go to, but I think would be too dangerous for me to go perhaps. Or I wouldn't be accepted. It could be really uncomfortable for me to go. Um, and, you know, I've kind of had to resign myself to the fact that maybe I can't go to that country or that place because of that. 
Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, this world is huge and there's so many beautiful places yeah. out there that, that you can go see. So I don't feel limited in any way. I just think if, if you have a disability and you want to get out there and travel, just do the best that you can to make it happen. So you, um, support-wise, like what would be one of the best things in the world which could change, which would make travel that much more easier for you? Uh, I think... I think it's it's the knowing what to expect. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's it's like sometimes when I go when I go and visit a school, for example, um, I turn up there and I'm told that there's no lift and there's these rickety old stairs you've got to walk up. And it's like it's fine. I I can go up and down stairs, but it is difficult for me and, and I'm a lot slower on stairs. Yeah. So it it can kind of make me feel a bit anxious. That's when the anxiety hits for me. Um, so when it comes to travel, I like to know what to expect, what's going to be at the other end for me, so that I'm not kind of going to overthink the whole journey there of like, wow, okay, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know what the hotel's going to be like, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to access this tourist site or whatever. So it's, it's having that accessibility information, I think, is key, just so that, that you know, you can know that, okay, I can access that space I, and I don't have to worry about it or think about it in, in the lead up to that, that travel. Yeah. Mm. I think that's, yeah, that's really good. good. And I can appreciate, like, particularly when you're booking holidays and things like that, or even with the, the flight itself, it's a bit more easy to get that accessible information. But, like, things like simple, like, transfers from the airport to the, like, wherever you go, yeah. fish, like, knowing what to expect there yeah absolutely it's you know and i've experienced that my, myself because i i don't do well on public transport <laughs> especially buses because you know if i'm still standing and they take off a million miles an hour my balance isn't the best anyway and so i'm like left clinging on to things to try not fall over <laughs> oh god um, yeah yeah it's like go flying or you know on the tube and stuff you're like oh i'm gonna die because <laughs> i'm just gonna go flying um but it is just that having that information there to know um that that that's okay and you know case in point it was uh, my last trip to australia to visit family coming back i ended up uh stuck in dubai for 30 hours because the flight was delayed in sydney which meant i missed my connecting flight which meant I had to stay in the hotel. But the information I got from that point onwards was rubbish. I had no idea what was going on, whether I'd be able to access transport to the hotel, um, whether I'd be able to have my, my luggage. And, um, and for me, with my prosthetic, I need to be able to take my prosthetic off. I, can't, I, can't, I, I really struggled to wear it for 24 hours. So, you know, at this point, it's, it's you know, I need to be able to know that I can get to a safe space to take oh my, my prosthetic yeah, leg of off. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of very nerve-wracking for me and a bit, you know, anxiety. I had anxiety all through that time because I was like, I don't know what's happening. And I think for a lot of people with disabilities, it's just that not knowing. You need to be able to know so that you can plan. Um, on how you're gonna deal. So, I, I, like, I wonder, like, with like the, um, you said like that safe space and stuff like that. Mm. What, what, what would, what's uh, possible? Like, how do you see th what would be a good solution to that? Like, 
I know it sounds silly, like, what would you... Because, like, I, I always sometimes want, like, having a, a room which is just allocated towards people with disabilities and stuff like that, I don't, I don't know. So, like, I'm curious as to, like, what you would, like, what would be perfect for you as in terms of, like... Yeah, it's. I think it's just privacy. I think that's what a lot of people are just are just wanting. And you know, quite often because I do get wheelchair assistance through the airports when I am tra- like transiting through, say Dubai or something like that, um, they do take me to the assistance room, which is generally quite a big room, and there's generally not many people around. Um, but even within that, there's still not a space that you that you can be given that choice to maybe go where you can be alone for half an hour or yeah. an hour or Because like you said, though, the anxiety thing must be quite huge just to sort of like just sometimes just go, you know. Just... Yeah, you just, you just, sometimes you just got to go, you know what, I'm just going to have to deal. Yeah. I have to deal with it. And, um, and I guess, you know, almost understand that you're not the only one who's having to deal with it as well so that you, you kind of think, well, you know what, I could sit here and, and whinge and complain, but it's not going to change the situation really, is it? No, no, no. So you just got to go with it in that moment and just, you know, the amount of times where I have had to wear my prosthetic for over 24 hours and I've literally got to my dad's place or I've got home and it's just like, I'm taking this prosthetic off and I'm not wearing it for a week. It's like... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just... It's just like, I don't want to see that prosthetic ever again. It's like, I love it, but I hate it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, like, last question, really, which I'm a little bit disappointed because I've generally really enjoyed your answers. <laughs> And um, it's basically what what are you most proud of? Answer that however you want. That's you. <laughs> There's too many things. Oh, you oh you poor <laughs> individual. I I'll be honest with you though. I I I think I think my silver medal. You yeah. know what? I'll say that out of out of everything, and I feel like you know, I've had so many amazing opportunities in my life, really primarily because of my disability, which I am so proud of that I've been able to achieve or been able to experience but I think nothing can beat that silver medal a race that I went into ranked 15th in the world um, I will never forget that moment of turning around and seeing my name on the scoreboard with the number two next to it um, and you know and I think especially because of the fact that my mum and dad were in the stands you know my, my brother and sister my nieces and nephews and all my family and it just made that moment so so special so I think yeah that's that's the moment <laughs> uh, yeah Ah, oh. and I, I think whether you agree, you've got a lot to, and that sounds really bad. I don't mean that. I say that from an, a point of envy, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not like. Oh, you've got a lot to be proud of. Come on, keep in there. That's a, oh, gritting at my teeth, Sarah. Yeah, you've got a lot to be proud of. <laughs> Look at that with your disability. Oh, you're, so you're living your best life, aren't you? Um, did you see the hashtag the other day that was doing the rounds on Twitter? Disabled compliments. No, I didn't see that. Oh, go check that out. I contributed to that. Oh, I'm going to have to now. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. <laughs> Definitely go check it out. <laughs> you will have a laugh. You will have a laugh. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and making a massive contribution to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and so like, there's loads of things to say good luck with because you've got quite a few things like with the podcast, this um, potential job. Potential uh, big opportunity. I know I don't want to jinx it by no, saying no, it no, out loud. No, 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 it's not saying it. Yeah. But... 
<laughs> but so much, uh, um, and also like um, you mentioned that you're coming to the end of study in the next couple of months. You just got to collect the yeah. research and stuff. Um, and yeah. obviously, your book's been out for a year now, but um, yeah. that it's seems like such strong. high valuable um, resource for anyone to have. I don't think it's necessarily just teachers. I mean, from a coaching capacity, I think that's yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thank you, Jono. Yeah, no worries. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I'd like to thank our guest for featuring on this week's episode of the Hand Discover Accessible Travel Chat. If you have been inspired by our guest's story today, then please visit handdiscover.com and use the code travel 30 to get 30 pounds off your first holiday booking with hand discover for now take care and i'll see you next week